The following presentation is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that it will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. who lives like God doesn't matter. 
Now, to help us remember that, I've got a bit of an action quote. You can all do it with us. The fool lives like God doesn't matter. We're crossing our hands. We're just kind of ignoring God. We're going, he doesn't matter. Well, you're not going to do that because he does that. Okay. I've got another word for us. Are you ready to react? The wise. Lots of weird expressions. Don't worry. Ladies can be wise too. Often they're more wise. Here's some pictures. For some reason, owls are pictured as wise. I don't know. Maybe they've got to write asleep all day and have fun at night. Uh, maybe there's this character. He's got a very decent white beard on him. Yeah, I've got all of the wings. Your time will come. You'll enjoy it. But the wise. Now, who is the wise? The wise is the person who lives like God matters most. So we can do that action. Remember, the fool was like this. The wise is the person who lives like God matters most. Now, something to know about wise. Wise is not the same as smart. Smart people know stuff. But sometimes they know the right thing to do, and then they don't do it. Is that wise? No. The wise person is the person who not only knows the right thing to do, but actually does it. I think we like to disconnect, well, I know the right thing to do and I'm not going to do it, but the whole doesn't do that. It goes, well, if you're wise, you not only know the right thing to do, but that you do it. Okay, can we look back in our brain? The fool is the person who lives like God doesn't matter, and the wise is the person who lives like God matters most. Now, in a moment, you're going to head back uh, to your spots with whoever brought you today. If you want, not yet, in a moment. If you want, you can grab from the foyer the some Bible verse memory sheets or some kids' sermon notes. And also, something else to help us pay attention, every time you hear fool in the sermon today, feel free to react, do the action. Every time you hear wise, feel free to do that. That's to remember that the fool is the person who lives like God matters, doesn't matter, and the wise person is the person who lives like God matters most. I'm going to pray, and then we'll head back. So when I say amen, let's head back to our seats. Okay, let's pray. God, you have given us wisdom books in your Bible. Help us to be wise. Help us to live always making choices that show you matter most. And we pray, Amen. Okay, thanks for helping to introduce the wise and the foolish. We're going to open our Bibles now to Psalm chapter 14, or Psalm 14. And we're going to read it together. Okay. Let's read. Psalm 14. To the choir master of David, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand. You could also translate that who act wisely, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt, and there is none who does good, not even one. Have they no knowledge, all the evil leaders who eat up my people as they eat bread, and do not call upon the Lord? 
there they are in great terror, for God is with the generation, uh, generation of the righteous. You would shame the plans of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion when the Lord restores the fortune, sorry, when the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice, let Israel be glad. Now, Psalm 14, it's, it's short and kind of punchy, but we want to be careful not to weaponize this uh, to punch the wrong people. Whenever the Bible uh, gets hard hitting, a very natural and wrong response is we can go, well, how does this apply to someone else? So the psalm opens, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now, I don't want to think of myself as a fool, and God's important to me, and I'm not an atheist, I believe in God, and I think if you're here now, or perhaps listening online, I'm going to assume that you're at least open to those two commitments. God's important and believable. And so we might be tempted to read that verse and go, well, I'm going to let myself off the hook. I'm not the fool. But the first section, if you look at verses 1 to 3, they don't give us that right. Here is the warning in this section. So there is a warning in this section against practical atheism. Now, practical atheism, it simply means living life as if God doesn't matter. And a quick comment from context, no one reading Psalm 14 for the first time believed that there was no God. We'll talk a little bit on this last week. The challenge is more around which gods and perhaps in which order. But I'm confident then, uh, just as now, there are people who live like God doesn't matter. My God doesn't exist. And when there's this practical atheism, essentially God just isn't a factor in the decision-making processes. And can I say, Australian culture loves this. Religion is limited down to a personal private space and doesn't have to have an effect on your work, uh, your purchasing, your relationships, or, or beyond. Australia is really comfortable with practical atheism. Psalm 14 calls out practical atheism as foolish because it's mistaken. And verse 1, it highlights the outcomes, the choices that are made in a world with no God as refuge. Corruption, evil, the absence of God. And verse 2, it highlights that far from being an absent God, God is present, God is active, God is searching, yet unable to finding humanity those who seek him back. And so the charge of verse 3, it hits the non-believer and the believer in God alike when we both live as practical atheists. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. And so the conclusion is, I am a fool when I live as if God doesn't matter. And any choices where God is not most important is a foolish choice in the wisdom literature. So hear the warning. Assess your big choices, your recent choices. Do they reflect that God is most important to you? 
Or was God absent, a non-factor? Do the hard work behind your motivations and also look to the tangible results. Did your choices glorify or corrupt? Did your choices draw in good, at resulting good or evil? Did your choices draw you closer or push you away from God? So what can we do if our assessment is, yeah, I've played the fool. I'm cohabitating Christianity with a practical atheism. Well, I think the rest of the psalm, verses 4 to 7, the second section provides direction, hope, as well as some further caution. They draw our focus from God, uh, from the fool to God's people, and ultimately to God and wise living with God as most important. Uh, let's take a slight detour to set the scene. Uh, my apologies in advance to the gluten free. Uh, in my house, uh, bread, is, bread is a well loved commodity. Uh, if you're in a fancy restaurant and excited about the bread potential, you'll fit in just fine with us. Uh, I did some quick, quick maths. Um, I got through at least two and a half thousand sandwiches during school. Now, this, this feels impressive to me. Actually, just a sandwich a day. But, you know, I feel good about it. Uh, bread is just one of those constant objects in life. Unless you're getting bread a normal day. And it's not surprising that bread shows up in stories. And for the Israelites, the community at which the book of Psalms first belongs, a strange bread shows up in one of the few stories that takes they are. Uh, you might head back to Exodus with me. The Egyptians had shamefully enslaved God's people, but God, their protector, had come to their rescue in a series of awe-inspiring events. At ten plagues, the crossing of the Red Sea, the defeat of Pharaoh's army, he showed the terrifying power of God and the foolishness of Pharaoh. Uh, having saved his people, God instructs them on wise living in preparation for life in the promised land. But Israel plays the fool, and so is led for 40 years in the wilderness to stand by manna, a flame spread by God. You might see what's going on here. So Deuteronomy 8, uh, 2 to 3, kind of helps bring a summary to their experience with the strange bread of God. It's called manna. I think the Hebrew for that is, what is it? That's actually what manna means. That's not just a weird. Anyway, uh, Deuteronomy 8, 2 to 3. You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you, not letting you hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know, make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but lives by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. Bread has its place, uh, but it's alone is insufficient for wise living. Built into the salvation story of Israel 
is a reminder of humanity's ongoing dependence on God to act, to live wisely. Now, something to chew on next time you're having a piece of toast, gluten free or otherwise. But back to the book. That was section stage four. Verse four. The fool is placed in opposition to God's people. Now, this isn't a battle of equals. The foolish confuse God's people, like the Israelites uh, were by the Egyptians, uh, like I do to a teasing bacon roll. The, the fool's accent is unfair, and again, we're reminded that we give out of God to God. The fool is also in opposition to God, but I, there are no equal to God either, but very much in the other direction. Now, if we had to place a category on this psalm, a wisdom lament would be what I went to. And at the heart of lament is the hope that things now are not as they need to be. Things now are not as they need to be. An undercurrent to lament is coming to God to speak justice. And one commentator, a better verse than Hebrew than I, points out that the, the tone or the style, the structure of this psalm, uh, Sounds like what you would hear at a funeral. A fool's funeral. It's a subtle yet like blunt message. Want to oppose God? Your funeral. Justice will be done. In verse 5, the wise see a God who is terrifying to oppose. And the fools get their eventually too, just ask the Egyptians. God is protected, a refuge for his people. Verse 6, the, the foolish injustice of this world is frustrating for God's people. But ultimately, the only wise choice is to constantly depend upon God. New lament concludes in verse 7. It concludes with a crying out of salvation and a confidence. Not an if, but a when the Lord restores his people, there will be cause for joy and gladness. The Israelite hope, uh, they'll have to part their hope in this place. The Christian has more of the story to explore. One of our great um, ways of understanding the Old Testament is going to the New Testament and going, well, how did they understand it? What did they do when they came across this psalm. And the Apostle Paul picks up this psalm in uh, Romans 3, uh, quotes a good section of it as well. And there is clarity to the hope for us we read in, when we read from Romans 3. And particularly if we're hearing it and going, well, I'm the fool, that's, that's me, what can I do about it? None is righteous. This is the uh, sort of quote from Psalm 14. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one speaks for God. All have turned aside and together have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Uh, if you wonder why it's slightly different in your translation from the Old New Testament, Old Testament translated from Hebrew, New Testament, they stole it from the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Just if you want um, and reading on from Romans 21. 
obviously that salvation has come through faith in Jesus. Verse 25. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Uh, there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Who God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to receive our faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance He had passed over the former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time, so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God is brilliant. The wonder of Jesus' sacrificial death upon the cross is that God upholds justice. The lament is heard and it's answered. The judgment of the poor is faced by Jesus at the cross. Jesus becomes the refuge for God's people. Through Jesus, God redeems and restores Jesus becomes our guide for wise living. Jesus, the perfect example of the one who lives with God always as most important. And so the promise of verse 5 in Psalm 14 is heard and rings true for us. For God is with the generation of the righteous. The true and open promise for us to The work of Jesus can restore the greatest good making them one of God's righteous people. We can be saved from our foolish ways and begin a new wise life with Jesus as our refuge. Psalm 14, it's punchy. Maybe it, it hit a mark. Have you paid the fool? Have you lived like God doesn't matter? The good news for us is Jesus never missed the mark. Jesus always Always does what matters most to God. Because of Jesus, the saving work for us can be, we can be restored as God's people. And in fact, you are called to a wise life, and Jesus is our way there. Wherever you're at in your journey, the encouragement this morning is to take one step closer to Jesus. Share the burden of your foolish ways with Him. Seek Jesus' guidance. Jesus is clear through the Gospels. It's correct. Seek his restoration. Jesus is gentle. Seek his protection. Jesus is strong. And be done with actual atheism. Jesus is the only wise one. Psalm 14, it confronts us, but it also points to comfort us. God, you pierce to who we are, and yet you still seek us. You call us into a wise life. Help us take the next step towards Jesus, so that you will be most important to us. Thanks for joining us for this presentation from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, 
visit npbc.org.au. 